Hi there, and welcome to Frollo, the single parent podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Desmond, single parent and founder of Frollo, the single parent community app. Frollo is all about empowering the single parent experience through friendship, community and support. And this podcast brings you conversations with other single parents about their experiences and the challenges and rewards that go hand in hand with raising a child by yourself. There are so many different aspects to single parenting, and I think it's about time we put a more positive spin on the term single parent, because one thing is for sure, single parents are truly incredible. I hope you enjoy this episode of Frollo, the Single Parent Podcast. Bundle beds are the ultimate travel bed, founded by Lucy, who has the simple mission to make life easier. Whether you're off on a camping trip, sending your child off to a sleepover, heading to a festival, or just visiting friends and family, they are the perfect bed away from home. A bundle bed comes complete with a super comfy, self-inflating mattress, cosy duvet and comfy pillow, all wrapped up in a cosy outer layer. Say goodbye to deflating airbeds, frantically searching for spare bedding and grabbing cushions off the sofa. Just bring your bundle bed. Bundle beds are offering the Frollo community 10% off on their website using code FROLO10. Visit www.bundlebeds.com and get bundling. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Frollo podcast. Today I'm joined by Leon Wenham, who's a solo black gay adopter of a six-year-old boy. Leon, welcome to the Frollo podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? I am good. I'm good. It's lashing down rain here today. I don't know if it's the same for you. I think we're both in London. Yeah, yeah, it's hideous. It's, it's not good at all. I'm no. We're now dreading um, pickup time. <laughs> I know. I know. Tell me about it. So how has lockdown been? Your little boy has been in schools since January, whereas the other, my, my son went back there. We're in March now. So with the roadmap, he just went back on Monday. And I mentioned to you before we started recording that I've never seen so many happy, smiling faces of parents at drop off and another mom suggesting we go and drink mimosas, which was very tempting. But your your little guy has been in school since January. So that sounds like it's been great for both you and him. Yeah, he has. I mean, I'm quite fortunate, but he has been in school since January, and it's you know it's been amazing. And what I what I realised very quickly is how much his learning in, has improved. Um, so his usual class size is around thirty, whereas um, the few children that were in school since January was around ten, and so it really kind of hammers home how important it is um, for children to really have that bit more one-to-one from the teacher and work in an environment which isn't maybe so overwhelming. Um, because it's just improved, it's, it's, it's come on so so much, and um, so I'm really proud of him. But yeah, it's been good. Lockdown in general, you know, has been up and down, of course, like the same for everybody else. Um, I think when you're a single parent with little support, it can be overwhelming at times. But we're we're a little we're a good little team, so we we make it work. 
Well, I can't wait to delve into all of that a bit more. But first, I'd love to start by going back a bit and understanding when did the idea of of adoption come into your head for the first time? Yeah, so it was when I was around 18, which I know is quite young um, to, to think about something like that. And it literally popped into my head. I'm not sure what triggered it. I can't remember if I knew somebody who was adopted or whatever. But from the age of 18, I thought, mm, I, want, I want to adopt. And I also saw, always saw myself as a single adopter um, or a single parent. Don't ask me why. Um, but that's just how I imagined it. Um, yeah. And then over the last, I'd say, five years is when I really started to put the wheels into motion, you know, buying my house, renovating it to reflect a family home, and actually started the, the actual process in February 2018, where I literally picked up the phone and was like, you know, I want to adopt, <laughs> what do I do? Oh, and my God. Yeah, I was approved that, the, the later that year, I was approved in the December, so yeah. Wow. And just kind of going back a bit, was it always, you say that you kind of always imagined you doing it as a single, single parent. Did it ever kind of, were there ever any relationships where you thought, oh, maybe we could do this together? Or was it scary, the Um, idea of of doing it alone? It wasn't scary because it's something that I always planned and and saw. Um, I was dating someone for a couple of months just before I actually started the process. And it's quite interesting because I have been alone for a very long time. And I met this person and I was just like, oh my God, perfect. Like, check, check, check. Where have you been for my whole life? Um, And it's just really nice to kind of finally meet someone that I connected with. And, you know, I think it was week three when we started seeing each other. I I did actually go to an adoption open evening. And I said, just an FYI, you know, I'm wanting to adopt. And, you know, he was really supportive and stuff. Um, That didn't really work out because he was a bit of a weirdo. But um, (laughs) it was was really good to put things into perspective because, you know, for the first couple of months, I was thinking, you know, should I, should I maybe reconsider the adoption process thing? Should I maybe put it on the back burner? Should I see how it goes? Maybe we can do it together. You know, it was all kind of all these thoughts that were going on. And I'm, I'm glad in the end that, you know, that relationship was kind of ended. And um, I was able to carry on doing something that I, I always wanted to do. Did you know anyone else who had, who had adopted at the time that you could kind of go to for guidance, reassurance, information? Not initially. Um, however, the um, this my social worker put me in touch with another um, single doctor actually, who was who was really um, helpful. And there's another couple that I adopted, same sex couple that I adopted, and I'd spoken to them, and I'd, I'd met another couple on some of the training that I did. So not when I not initially, but throughout the process, I did come across a few other people in similar situation. So what is the process, if you can walk us yeah. through from start to, to finish? Yes, yeah, so you have to fill out an expression of interest form initially, which is basically that, that you're interested in adopting. Um, and then you have a face-to-face meeting with a social worker. I think it was about an hour and a half, if I'm not mistaken, um, where they just kind of go through you as a person, the reasons why you want to adopt, um, a little bit about your family and support, but not too detailed at that stage. And then um, I think there's more like a very, there's like called stage one. So stage one is where you fill out a form. And my God, it is a very long and detailed lengthy form. Um, you have around two months to complete stage one. So it gives you an idea of how big the form is. Oh, um, wow. 
and it's mm. everything everything about you your family past relationships past addresses every school you've been to every place you've worked every hospital you've been like literally it's like some wow. mi5 assessment mm. it's so intense um and then you know, there's parts, as I said, that you have to fill out about your family, etc. So, you know, once they receive that, then they then make an assessment of that, and then more questions may come up. You then have to provide um, references, so friends, family, and an employer um, will have to give you a reference. And then stage two, I believe you do some form of training as well. And then there's the home visit, medical. So it is super, super, super intense. And then um, towards the end is when you get approved as a prospective adoptive um, parent um, by a panel of around eight people. How long did it take to get to that point? So I, I said I made the call in February 2018. I probably started the process maybe in the March, and then I was approved in December the same year. So yeah, wow. yeah so it's quite quick. It used to take years in, 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 in um, days gone by, but I think they put something into place where the actual assessment um, bit needs to be done within around six or seven months. When you're approved, how long does it take to match you with a child? <laughs> I mean, how long is a piece of string? I think it depends on your requirements. So just to be clear, okay. you can be very specific in terms of, obviously, you know, gender, race, sex, but also, um, you know, whether they're able-bodied or, or if it's a disabled child or what type of background they're coming from. So, for example, okay. you know, you could say, look, I could handle you no know, neglect, but maybe not sexual abuse or whatever. You can be quite specific. So I think depending on the child that you want, depicts, depends on how long you wait. So with me, I went for an older child um, and also, as a lot of people know, black and dual heritage children are, there's quite a lot of them in the care system and, and black and dual heritage parents are probably in the the, 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 the least demographic who are coming forward. So yeah. there, there is a big disparity. So I think I got looking that way. Also, he was slightly older. He was four when I adopted him. Most people want a baby. So I think yeah. just those two things, I was matched, well, I was approved as an adopter on the 7th of December, 2018. Saw his profile on the 3rd of January 2019 online and I think by the February I was matched so wow. pretty quick pretty quick how did you feel when you saw his profile for the I first knew. time I knew yeah. and, and, and they say they say to us in our training it's almost like love at first sight like when you oh when you see your child you know and it's really weird because we use the site called link maker which is um, you know a secure site only for um, prospective adopters, you know, you have to get it cleared by your social worker, you get a login. So when yeah. you see the children, it's almost like going through profiles online. And yeah. it's really important because a lot of adoptive parents say the same thing. You almost feel like once you're approved, it's like, right, I need to find a child now. And it's almost like this pressure on yourself. So you're scrolling through all these pages, you know, oh, that child's cute. And, you know, can I see them in my family? It's a really weird almost like a selection process. I never knew that this is how it's worked before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back in the day, you had like hard copy profiles. Yeah. Almost like when you used to look at houses back in the day, you'd get like a brochure. So yeah. similar to that, but you know, the world moves, moves in modern times. So yeah. basically, um, you're looking at profiles and there, there was one, another little boy, um, I don't think I really discussed it publicly actually, there was another little boy that I saw and he did actually look a little bit like me. Yeah. And I just thought, okay, like, 
this could work. And I read a little bit about him and it sounded fun. But if I'm honest, my, I wasn't like, my, my God, I don't know what it was, but it just wasn't the same. And when I saw my son now, I was like, okay, he's my child. I just knew That's I could amazing. visualize him in my house. I could visualize him in my family's house with my friend. Like I physically could see it. It was crazy. That's crazy. amazing. Yeah. So what was the first meeting like? Again, I'm, I'm, I was very lucky with this process. So usually just, and it's quite interesting that people know this, usually you make your selection just based on a profile. You don't actually meet the child before you adopt them generally, right. um, which a lot of people don't realise. Mm. Um, so there is something what's called introductions, which usually lasts anything from five to five days to two weeks, okay. where the adopter would usually go and um, stay in a hotel close to the foster carer's home and basically almost do like a work experience as it were. So you'd go there first thing in the morning before they wake up. You know, when they wake up, you know, you get them breakfast, give them a wash or a bath, whatever, you know, play with them. So that the foster care is almost showing you like a handover, essentially. Yeah. So that's the first time you usually meet them. But because my son has had a few different moves and quite a complex background, we agreed to do a bump into meeting. Um, so I went to meet his foster carer at a play centre. Um, and it's really funny because I never met her before, um, obviously. And, you know, I went to a play centre. You have to kind of set the picture. It was like in a very rural part of the country, um, six foot three black guy going into a play centre minus a child. Yeah. Um, and that was just like, yeah, exactly. She's like, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm just here to meet a friend. And she's like, okay, can you see your friend? I'm thinking, I don't actually know what she looks like, but we were looking yeah. around, hoping that she would recognise me from a photo. She did, and we embraced. And um, she said, oh, there he is. And like, he came over. And I just remember thinking, because he was just so small. I don't know what I was expecting, but I remember him just seeming so small and tiny. And he kind of looked at me, and I looked at him, and said, do you want to play with me? And I was like, uh, okay. Like, I didn't know if I was allowed to. I didn't really know what the... Yeah. I didn't really know what the memo was, you know? So yeah. I looked at her and the social worker was there as well. And she was like, you know, go ahead. They say, like, you've got to take your shoes off and come this way. I thought, okay, bossy one, okay. Um, and yeah, we just, we hit it off. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, like, it is going to be my son. Like, it's, it's such an abnormal feeling. Yeah. Because if you're, you know, when you're pregnant as a couple or a single you know, parent, you don't, you know, you've got nine months to get your head around it. You can feel the baby growing and, you know, you can prepare. But I've got this, like, four-year-old, like, Tasmanian devil running around. Me with, like, my stiff back trying to fit into all these shapes and all these small places in the, in the place center. Oh, my God. Like, my son is four now, so I'm very aware of oh, what, God. you know, the four-year-old's <laughs> energy, and it's a lot. And I must admit, in that, in that like, hour that I was there, I thought, Wow, can I really handle this? Yeah. Tornado yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is, is what they're called. As Tornado. So, it's perfect. Yeah, so after that, I kind of, you know, I thought, you know what, yeah, 100%, it was cemented. And then mm -hmm. I they agreed that I would have monthly FaceTime calls with him, which, again, is unheard of. Um, so we're having kind of FaceTime calls every week. And then on the day that I got, went up to be approved as a, his dad because there's two approvals. One approval is to be an adopter and the other approval is to be the child's adoptive parent. So on the day that I was approved to be his adoptive parent, um, I went to the, the, the foster carer's home for dinner and it was such an amazing feeling because obviously I knew then that I was, he was going to be mine, but he didn't know wow. that. Wow. I remember opening the door because he, 
he remembered me from the FaceTimes and the the bump into. He just came running over like Leon, and I just was like, oh my god! Like he was like without knowing. After that, probably a month or so, a couple of months later introduction started and I went up there for like 10 days and then his foster carer came down here for 10 days and sorry for five days and did the reverse and yeah the rest is history he's been here ever since so how long has he been with you so that was early that was 2019 so it was April 2019 he moved in two years this this April wow and how was his settling in period how was your settling in period to being a dad um, do you know what he he did, considering what he's been through? As I said, he he did absolutely fantastic. Um, first night he went down like a dream, like no, no issues at all. Um, you know there were a few power struggles. Um, I think a child that's had various homes and various different carers, um, it can be quite tricky when it comes to boundaries because I guess everywhere that he's lived, they've had different rules. I guess, or different ways of doing things. So I inherited a child that maybe didn't have any boundaries in place for various different things. So, you know, stuff like eating, meal times, which were tricky, you know, wanting to stop playing or like, say, for example, friends were here, you know, they have to go, you know, enough. I never wanted to stop, I wanted to carry on. So it was quite hard to, you know, manage his emotions and expectations whilst making sure that my boundaries were, were in place because I think when you're in foster care, they don't really parent you. Like I've mm. been told we're not here to parent them, we're here to make them happy and, and, and keep them safe and create yeah. happy memories, which, which I understand. But as a parent, you know, you only want the best for your child, so naturally you're going to be more firm, you know? Um, so that was quite tricky initially because I didn't want to kind of go you know bulldozing and right this is the these are the rules this is you know i didn't want to be like that but i was very aware that he needed he needed firm boundaries in place pretty quickly those boundaries and and that it's it's safety for for a child 100 percent. so but yeah he's been great i mean we've had some amazing times obviously lockdown hasn't helped when it comes to those intense periods Mm. but he's a great child super resilient um and as i said we make a good little team Let's wow. make it work, really. That's amazing. And so I would love to know who has supported you throughout this, like in the in those days when you first became his dad. And, you know, I think any parent understands that parenting is really hard and any single parent will understand the additional pressures of not having someone else there to hold the fort or share the emotional weight of things when it does get hard. But but then for for you to basically jump into that role to to a four year old, you know, with no lead up or, or experience, like what was your support system? I had friends. Um, obviously, my family live in a different part of the country to me. Um, most of them anyway. So, you know, friends were were there. Um, I did make um, a few local friends, like through, um, kind of friends at the nursery and, and play centres. So, so just those really, I guess, you know, I had a really good relationship with my social worker, um, who was really helpful. And yeah, I, I, I had access to a lot of people on the phone. So if I ever needed to rant or to kind of have a little moan, then I, I, yeah. I had access to those people. Um but yeah, physical support of just a few friends who who were local, and that was really helpful. Does your son 
ask questions about like obviously he was four when he came to you and he's six now does how does that work how do those conversations work yeah i mean i I let him lead them i think it's really important for him to know that it's a safe space and we have got an open relationship in the sense of he can ask me questions and i'll answer them i think in years gone by when you know when children are doctors almost it's like taboo and dirty family secret that nobody really discussed which Mm. doesn't help from an identity and an acceptance point of view because i know a lot of adult adoptees who have grown up and really kind of they they couldn't dare ask a question about their 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 life story so he often asks questions and we've got lots of photo albums from previous foster carers that he's he's been with um so ask you know where's my mummy or why have i not got a mummy and i'll explain well you do have a mummy everybody has a mummy um just unfortunately she was unable to um look after you properly and keep you safe as a baby and the social workers thought it was really important to keep you safe and well and healthy so they put you with some foster carers in the meantime until we could find you a forever home so that's the kind of script that i stick to um as he's older i will give more information depending on his age um but i just think now to explain the chaos that he was born into i think it's just very overwhelming for for a young person to to understand as well but he gets it he does get it that's that's great and it's great to ha- be able to have those open conversations with them i grew up in ireland and i don't know if it was an irish thing or if it was just the way things were and things are changing but as you said i think you know there were people that i know growing up who were adopted but it did feel like a taboo thing like mm-hmm. you know these people that i wasn't even supposed to know who were adopted but i can't imagine then the shame or the just stigma you know that then yeah. people have to experience it it must be a, a very very tricky thing if there isn't that that openness I agree. I mean, I, I've, I've spoken to people who, and they said, you know, they always felt the love from their family, but then whenever their adopted mom would introduce them, they go, this is my daughter, and this is my adopted daughter. And she said so she was always the adopted daughter as opposed to these are my daughters, you know? Wow. The language is very important. So again, wow. you know, she said she felt the love. She didn't feel like she was treated less favorably, but yet she would always be introduced as the adopted daughter as opposed to yeah. my daughter. Because, you know, when you're adopted, you know, legally, are the child's parent, right? So naturally, yeah. this is just my daughter. You know, um, yeah. language is very, very important. Um, I, I, I know, as I said, adult adoptees and things weren't discussed. And I know ones and things were, were were discussed. So some people have a desire to really meet their birth family to you know get those unanswered questions, where others grow up and have no desire. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it can be tricky to navigate, but I think as long as there's transparency and honesty and openness, then I, I, I think it will be a lot more of a smoother, um, I guess, experience for the, for the adoptee. Absolutely. It's all about breaking down the stigma, having open conversations, raising awareness. It's so powerful, and which is exactly what you're doing so i'd love to hear about your book yes so um i can't say too much but basically i did write a book and it is a book loosely based on our adoption journey but i think it's a book which tells many different stories and i think the main message is that everybody's different and that's okay 
um, and it looks at um, different families. Um, it looks at a little boy who's trying to make sense and understand his journey, his path. Um, and what I like about the book is that um, the use of diverse characters and the use of language, again, very important. And I think it teaches parents um, and children empathy and really openness, um, which is something that I think there's not always enough of. So mm-hmm. in terms of when it's out, I don't know, because I've got a fabulous agent at the moment who's in talks with a publisher. It's taking much longer than I anticipated. The world of publishing is quite slow. Um, and obviously adding COVID to that as well and lockdown mm-hmm. and everything else. Um, but I will definitely be letting you know when it's available for pre-order, when it's going to be released. But um, mm-hmm. it's called You, Me and Lots and Lots of Love. I love the name. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> and it's so great. It's so crucial to have these books and these resources for kids and parents that reflect as a single parent. There's just not enough books or kids TV programs that reflect different types of diverse one parent families there needs to be so much more of that definitely so so it's fantastic that you've written this book and for sure we will we will be spreading the word Um, so what other ways can people find out about resources to help educate ourselves and our children around diversity i think that those conversations need to start from within the home. I mean, as a, also as a black man, as a, as a black gay man, you know, speaking about diversity and difference is something that I do and always do. But I know for a lot of people and parents, they avoid certain conversations because A, they may not know how to articulate it or B, it just might be a bit uncomfortable for them or, or C, they may just think it doesn't really affect their family so they don't have to speak about it. But all families and all parents need to normalize diversity. So I think those conversations really need to start from the home. Um, Books are fantastic. There's lots of um, great places. The Roundtable Books in Brixton is a really good one. They're they're available online as well. They've got a really... Round? Yeah, Roundtable Books, yeah. Um, They're available online um, on the Scott Shop in Brixton. And there's another one on Instagram, I believe it's called Inclusive Storytime. Um, Again, really great. And I think, you know, books are the first point of reference to a lot of children, right? You know, they see characters and faces. And so books would be a good one. Also thinking about diverse toys, you know, um, I've got many female um, cousins and I've got a sister and, you know, growing up, they all were into dolls, but I, I'm trying to remember if any of them had a black doll. I, yeah. I can't remember if they did. I remember. I did as a child. That says a lot for an Irish household where there are two black people in Dublin when I was growing up. <laughs> a lot more now, but uh, yeah, I did. I did. Mm. Uh, even stuff like what you watch on TV, I mean, JJ and Grand Grand is fab. Um, obviously, it's on CBBS. Um, so again, the first animation in the UK with the old black cast, kept characters, should I say? Um, and just thinking about you know places that you go to, you know, really diversifying your friendship groups as well. I've always had a really eclectic bunch of friends from kind of attitudes, personalities, and you know, genders, etc. But I think you know, really trying to make your children grow up in, in quite a rounded view of the world is really important. But I think 
despite all outside resources, that has to start from in the home. Those conversations must take place. Children are never too young to understand about difference and diversity. Yeah, completely agree. So, Leon, I'd love to know what is the toughest part and the best part of your journey as a dad so far? I think it's being a single parent and the resilience and the, um, so not, not, that's not the right word, being a single parent and I guess just, it can be all encompassing at times mm. and it can be relentless, that's what I wanted to say, it can be relentless and just, it's a lot, you know, like this morning I didn't really sleep well last night, I think I was up to around quarter to four, I just couldn't sleep and then I was up at seven, I was like, oh my God, I've got to get myself ready, I've got to get him ready, I've got to get him dressed, breakfast, go to school. Like, it seemed like a real big chore, but I just had to do it, you know? And and, and, that, and there's no kind of plan B or whatever, I just had to crack on with it. So that's what I struggle with sometimes, just the, the never-endingness of being a single parent and a solo parent. The yeah. best thing... Um, just the really happy memories that we create. And it could be something so silly and so small and he might say something or I might treat him with something. Like every now and again, he's like, if I'm making dinner and he's in the living room watching something on his tablet, I might pop him up a little treat and say, like, close your eyes, open your mouth and you've got to guess what it is. And he loves that because he knows it's going to be yeah. something really nice. So yeah. as as like, close your eyes, like, oh, quick, quick, quick. <laughs> you can see his face, you know, and he just... <laughs> He just loves it. Small, silly things like that. They just yeah. seem happy and hearing his little cackle. It's just, it's priceless, you know? Yeah, that's so lovely. That's so, so lovely. I have the same <laughs> moments as well. And I, so I, I relate to that. And what have you learned about yourself? That I'm not as patient as I thought. I relate to that also. Yeah, I just think, just trying to, you know, manage your emotions and just trying to really put yourself in a child's shoes I think for a lot of parents you know they see themselves as you know I'm the parent you're the child and that's kind of it and you know in certain elements it definitely needs to be that line where the children get that but I think just at times really putting yourself in, in the child's shoes and then really kind of empathizing and understanding and thinking how it must be from their point of view, especially a child that's had a difficult start to life. So I, I, I consciously do that quite often, that really just try to empathize and see things from his point of view and, and let him feel like he's heard as well. Um, I know when I was younger, it was very much that, you know, I, as I said, I'm the parent, you're the child, that's mm-hmm. it. Little explanation, very rigid and quite stern. And I think, you need to give children a voice and allow them to use their voice, you know? Absolutely. Um, helps with confidence. Definitely. And what are you most excited for in the future with your son? I just, I, I'm, not, I'm not rushing the years away at all because I love... Yeah. I love seeing him grow and develop. I'm just so curious to know what type of teenager he's going to be. Like, if I could just have, like, a little window and see how he will look when he's, like, 18 and his attitude and his personality, I'm just so curious. Yeah. Um, I think all that depends on these next few years, right? Because I think these are the crucial years from, like, 6 to, like, 10 or so that a child really kind of comes into their own personality-wise. So. Yeah. That depends on how on me essentially but yeah i'm just curious to see what it's like as an 18 year old young man like how's his character gonna be you know 
what's it going to be like? I'm just so curious, but I'm enjoying every moment. Well, Leon, it sounds like you're doing an absolutely stellar, stellar job as your son's dad. Uh, you're a total inspiration, and he's very lucky to have such a loving and courageous dad. Oh, thank you. I'm lucky to have him. I always say um, it's, it's vice versa. I think I've, I've spoken yeah. to a few, I've said, a few adult adoptees, and they always say they were made to feel like they were lucky or they were made to feel like they were super grateful and I would, that always resonates with me so I yeah. always tell my son actually I'm super lucky that I'm that I'm your daddy and I'm super yeah. grateful so he really understands his importance in this as well absolutely I, I say the same to my son all the time I do think these kids are god they're hard work but you know such such a blessing mm-hmm. you know such such a blessing but Leon thank you so much for for being on today's podcast it has been really really lovely chatting with you and a really lovely insight as well into into the whole journey for you and and the process and and I love keeping up with with you on your journey. So please let us know when your when your book is out. I will. And for anybody who wants to follow any more bits of my journey and, and me as a person, I'm on Instagram. I'm sure you're gonna tag me when you put it up. But it's for those who are listening. It's lots underscore and lots of love, and it's almost just like a, I guess a platform for parenting with a difference and adoption related stuff and just yeah dad stuff and a bit of bands along the way. Brilliant. And we will, yeah, we will make sure that we, we tag you and we add all of the things we've spoken about to the show notes as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leon. And thank you everyone for listening. Until next time, have a great week. Bye guys. If you would like to connect with other single parents in your area, as well as a wider community of single parents and access support and advice easily, download the Frodo app and join us. Otherwise, head to our website, www.frolo.com and sign up to our newsletter to stay connected to us. All the links are in the show notes. To help us reach more single parents, it really helps us when you subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review. So we would be really grateful if you could take a minute to do so. You've been listening to Frolo, the single parent podcast, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, have a great week.